Coming to you from the Hawk's Nest, here to satisfy your baseball fix. It is Outfielders Anonymous. All right. Welcome back, Outfielders Anonymous fans. Here we are somewhere in my basement in South Carolina and across the table from me is my buddy Chasey Ace. And this is your man, Hawk. We are doing something a little bit different since everyone is quarantined now with the coronavirus. Uh, we are also going live on Facebook, so everybody's looking at my pretty face as we're recording this episode now. And because this is a traditional baseball podcast and there is no baseball going on, uh, we're just going to talk about the sports world in general and uh, complain a little bit about the coronavirus and anything else that pops up on our, uh, on our radar. So anybody out there on Facebook that wants to uh, pose a question or something that we'll record and then it'll be played later in, uh, in when we launch the Outfielders Anonymous podcast, please feel free to do so. So without further ado, Chase, I know that you have been going through um, some very depressing times. Uh, you know, your livelihood is basically, basically revolves around the, the sports world and the uh, sports wagering advice world, and you don't have that now. So please tell me, how, how are you doing? How are you coping with all this? Not well <laughs> <laughs> at all. I mean, you know, it's funny, you, you know, somebody that works seven days a week because, you know, there's sports all year round, do all major American sports. Sometimes you say, man, it'd be nice to have a couple of days of just not having to worry about anything when you feel overworked. And it was not good the day that it was announced. I mean, I went from normal day feeling like something was off and then all of a sudden hey we don't have any sports and it took a little while to process i guess but i mean as you know i mean it didn't take 24 hours for me to start mentally breaking down because yeah, i guess there's some type of bug going around or something there's a maybe a cold or a flu or something i don't know <laughs> yeah <laughs> well so, i mean you know i i don't I don't want to make light of the situation. I mean, if you, if not that anybody cares my actual opinion on it, but if they do, do, do I think that we have overreacted a little bit? I mean, no, not really. I think that there's overreaction in the wrong areas. I think that maybe we should have acted on something a little bit quicker as we kind of knew that the inevitable was coming by watching other countries. So, you know, I don't know. I can't say that I agree or disagree with anything. If, if everything that we're doing, shutting down basically American society for 30 days or two weeks or however long it is, then I, I'm all for it, I guess. I would, you know, the safety and health of people is much more important than sports. But at the same time, I think that a lot of people that don't follow sports and are not, you know, big fans don't understand that not only does sports employ thousands of people, but sports is a big deal. I mean, sports is an outlet for people. It's, it's a way of life. 
you know, I mean, even from kids at a young age, their kids, that's all they have, you know, as an yeah. escape from whatever world they live in. Well, I think they, we also see the, the employment and uh, the economic impact of sports when you, when you see multiple organizations such as the Dallas Mavericks and Mark Cuban. Um, I know that, um, uh, of course, I'm forgetting his name right now, but the Zion. Zion William, Williamson. Yeah, yep. taught, you know, he's going to be supporting the, the employees of the Pelicans. So, um, you know, there's a lot of people that these organizations employ. Mm-hmm. You know, you've, you've been in contact with Eric Jarenko over at the Greenville Drive. They um, are not uh, – obviously, they're on hold right now. Minor League Baseball, just like Major League Baseball, is on hold. Mm-hmm. So, And that's where, like, you know, one thing that I guess I can announce here, but I won't get too in detail because you and I will go further into it. Um, I – I guess friend of mine uh, that's in that's in the baseball world. He has you know played at the professional level, and now he's into the managerial side of things, and has just been in and around baseball all of his life. I kind of asked him from outside because obviously we know Eric very well, but just outside of the world that we live in in different regions, being that he's so closely tied with minor league baseball right now. Um, I kind of asked him the effects that it was going to have on minor league baseball, knowing that whatever the effects of major league baseball are, and we don't know what the effects are going to be as a whole yet because we haven't seen this all the way through. And I just said, be blunt. I said, let's say that June the 1st, major league baseball comes back. What, what does that do for minor league baseball? He said, well, you know, you, you're not going to start – until at least a few weeks after that. Yeah. He said, being that minor league baseball, even with playoffs and everything, ends in September, for the most part, depending on which league you're in, he said, you're talking about revenue that's going to cripple certain teams. You know, players live off of a barely livable wage anyway. And then all of those employees that rely on that four- to five-month period of, you know, consecutive money you know, game day money. He said, it's not going to be good. And what minor league baseball does to the communities that it's in, how directly tied it is to youth sports and stuff like that, where, because in major league baseball, you're in such big markets where you can't have as much of a direct impact like you can with a minor league team in a city of a hundred thousand. Right. He said, man, this can trickle all the way down to youth sports. So, yeah, I mean, in the minor league, the minor league, uh, system and the minor league teams their their revenue really rests in merchandise and concessions mm-hmm. rather than yep. ticket sales and i mean you have you do have some private leagues like i don't want to say private leagues but you have stuff like the pacific league where you have teams that aren't a part of a major league franchise they still are out there for the same thing they still get looked at like minor league players do but these players are not under contract right you know they're paid just like any minor league player would be but they're not they're not directly affiliated with a team that can say, okay, if you get to this level, we're just going to bring you on up. I mean, yeah. they basically have to go get drafted at that point. Um, so that is a little, you know, that's a little different where ticket sales and things like that can be, be a much bigger revenue stream. But for the average team, you know, we'll, we'll use the drive for instance, since we're tied with them besides concessions and what they can do inside that ballpark they you know they they don't make money off of the team itself it's what drives you know it's game day stuff so 
you know, the the parent franchise will be fine in time, especially an organization like the Red Sox. But what it could do to a minor league franchise for an owner that's like, okay, this is what we make. You you ride that thin line in minor league baseball, no matter how successful you are compared to others, you go out there and miss a season. I don't think people realize how detrimental that could be to that team. That you know, some there's a lot of minor league teams that would not bounce back back from that. So no, we I, are. I, oh well, that kind of leads me to something. There will be some charity stuff that we're going to be doing um, that I'm working on now, but I, I've got to get some further details as to how we're going to announce it, what it's directly going to be going towards. So I don't want to prematurely say anything and then have it change, but we'll let you know as soon as that happens. Yeah. So the minor league, you know, we talked about there's there's definitely gonna be lost revenue in all of this and um you know, there's other topics. Baseball obviously was in the midst of starting their spring training and um you know that's been put on hold. I know that there was uh um Trevor Bauer I know I saw him tweet that they were going to try to get a Sandlot game going. They did. I think they're Phoenix. actually um, – and it may have already been – it may have already happened tonight, but they, they recorded it, and everybody was wearing mics, so they went back and edited it, and they were streaming that on some social media platform tonight for the world to watch. Yeah, that's pretty so, cool. Trevor's so, doing good things. Yeah, so they're still, uh, still having fun out there uh, despite all of our quarantine. And uh, and for anybody that wants real baseball news, stop watching ESPN or anything <laughs> like that. If you want to l- listen to Trevor Bauer, he's doing daily updates. He stayed in Arizona. He's you know, and of course he's he's a major league pitcher. If anybody in the world believes that some ESPN reporter who gets paid to have people listen to what he says, read what he writes, whatever, is getting more information and quicker then the person that it's directly affecting, they are sorely mistaken. So just follow Trevor Bauer. Uh, Bauer Outage is his social media handles. Well, there's some other there's some other things that have gone on in the sports world. It's namely, you know, the NFL is still moving forward. They're off of their, um, you know, they're not in session right now. There's free agency moves going on right now. And one of the biggest, you know, moves that we're seeing although it's not finalized yet is tom brady leaving the patriots he confirmed that he was leaving so that's a done deal Mm -hmm. where he's going to land right now is talked uh, is tampa bay and i for one uh welcome that because then i can root for the team that he's on because as you very well know as a ravens fan i uh am not able to um root for the patriots in any way shape or fashion so now that tom brady will be going with another team hopefully in the nfc i i I have a i can root for his team and maybe even buy his jersey so but you're a huge tom brady fan uh we were talking before we started recording uh on our facebook live my uh, cousin says hello hey natalie how you doing um so what are your thoughts on tom moving to the the panhandle uh, i guess kind of near the panhandle of florida but anyway heading down to florida and playing for a organization that has seen better days right they have they had a they had some successful seasons there at the late 90s early 2000s won a super bowl under um chucky 
um, the, That's right, the coach. They did. they did. Yeah, they won a they won a Super Bowl, and but since that time it, they've struggled a bit. So, what are your thoughts on Tom Brady going to the Buccaneers? Well, you you've heard my initial thoughts, which we like to keep this family friendly, so I'm not going to give those thoughts. Does it not seem just odd though? And I'm not. First off, we'll get into the fact that he's going to Tampa Bay, but the fact that he's not going to be in New England. Not only have you been with New England your entire career, your career has lasted two decades thus far, and you've never worn anything other than a Patriots uniform. It's like it's that's the way life is supposed to be. It's not like Tom Brady is synonymous with New England Patriot football or with Boston sports. You can't say Patriots without thinking Tom Brady. You can't say Tom Brady without thinking about the Patriots. I don't I don't think it's okay. I don't I don't agree with it. And I, not because I care about the Patriots. I'm not a Patriots fan per se. I'm not a a hater of either one of the teams. I'm a Brady fan no matter what, but it's almost like Michael Jordan finishing his career in Washington the way he did. Like, people forget that. They're like, yeah, it doesn't count. Yeah, he played there for a couple of seasons, but it doesn't count. He's a, he was a North Carolina Tar Heel, and then he was a Chicago Bull, and that's that. Yeah, and I mean, outside of all of the the press coverage that, that we saw with Brett Favre going to the Vikings, he played for the Jets, everybody still thinks of him as a Packer. Yeah, and they always will. And the thing is, Brett Favre's a huge name, and you think about Joe Montana that did it. Uh, who's another big name in football that did it besides – those two and hell it's been more of a recent person too but either way i mean you think about those big names when it comes to the world of football tom brady is michael jordan he is one of the biggest if not the biggest well, names. peyton manning did it with he right there from, you go that's who i was thinking the, okay yeah, peyton manning went from the Colts and even to... then as big as he is if you really look at it tom brady's bigger he's got more championships he's he played for 20 years and it doesn't get much bigger than peyton manning and, no. and when you think about Peyton Manning, you still think the Indianapolis Colts, even though he won a Super Bowl with Denver, and everybody was okay with it. But I think everybody was just more or less okay that he was still playing. Yeah. Because he, was, he wasn't in the league 20 years. Right. How many years was he in the league when he came to Denver? But with 20 years, I think everybody would have been – you know, Patriots fans, Brady fans, they would have been sad if he would have just come up and said, it's it's time for me to call it quits. So, I don't think anybody would have, like, faulted him for that. Yeah. I mean, you've been playing 20 years. And, you've, I mean, you've been playing it at a, at a level that no one in history can say that they've done. The dynasty has never been done before and more than likely won't ever happen again. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's no argument that Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, a couple of years ago, I probably could have argued one way or the other for for Peyton or for you know. And that's and and I put something on online yesterday, and it was just me my thoughts of him leaving the Patriots. Where again, it was it's almost just hard to think about somebody that's been in the league for 20 years, been on the same team, and had the accomplishments that he has that. You know, you're going to stay number one, which is a feed in and, in and of itself, but you're going to go to another team, and not just another team. I think it would be easier to process if you were going to another team that 
is is one of those names. You yeah, know, you had like, mentioned before the Dolphins. That, I mean, like that even would, then, I think that would have made more sense because yeah. you have people like Dan Marino that have come through there, and it's one of those franchises that go back as far as you want. I mean, you can go back decades, and the Dolphins were just one of those franchises that win or lose, good or bad, people are talking about. Yeah. Same thing with, like, the Bears or even the Detroit Lions. Never won a Super Bowl, but they're still one of those franchises. Yeah, and you wonder you wonder what happens now to the Patriots and the and generally the, the AFC East, right? So, you know, up through this point, the, one, the, the two combining factors that the Patriots had uh, were Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Mm-hmm. Now they have just Bill Belichick. And you could arguably say – that their success was dependent upon both of those two pieces being part of the puzzle, right? Uh, Belichick is 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 very good at um, at taking players that are seemingly towards the end of their career and getting a couple, at least one more, maybe two more years out. Look at Randy Moss. I mean, Randy Moss had a spectacular year uh, in New England, uh-huh. and everybody had written him off. And other players have been similar to that. And there has been a rotating cast of receivers and running backs and things like that on the offense. But the one constant that they always had was Tom Brady. Mm -hmm. Now that goes away. And I guess I think it's going to be fun to watch whether Belichick is really the amazing coach that everybody says that he is without Tom Brady. I think that it will be. I don't think it'll be immediately. You know what? Here's a theory that I have, and I said this to someone yesterday, and they did not agree with me. They said, "Nope, you're talking about Bill Belichick. You're, you know, you know, you know as well as anybody watching Bill Belichick for all this time that he would never do this." It wouldn't surprise me at all to see the Patriots more or less tank and go after somebody like um, Trevor Lawrence from from Clemson. Because he's young, he's built like a quarterback, number one. He's not mobile in the sense of like, you know, the the Lamar Jacksons or the uh, – God, I just forgot the MVP's name. The Patrick Mahomes. Patrick I mean, Mahomes, yeah. He is the closest thing you're going to get to what a true quarterback was designed to be in this day and age. That hasn't come out of college football in a long time. So – that's what Bill Belichick likes. He likes for the quarterback to be a quarterback, which is what Tom Brady is. High football IQ, makes everyone around him better, understands how to read offense, read defense, and he knows how to win. Now, I'm not saying that Trevor Lawrence is Tom Brady by any stretch of the imagination. We don't know what it'll be when he gets to the NFL. But his build, his high football IQ, you know, he's he's healthy. The kid hasn't had any significant injury through his entire playing career up to this point that would you would even think would limit him in playing at the next level, kind of like a Joe Burrow. That could be what they're doing. I mean, and who knows? Maybe by that time. Uh, but, I, but I mean, all the news reports don't suggest that this was necessarily the Patriots cutting ties with, with Brady. No, I mean, it's, from what it, I mean. It, it sounds like it was Tom's decision. Like, he, I, Well, he, I, yeah, it ultimately know. was. And it's like what Robert Kraft said. He, he said it was Tom's decision. But I also think that there were certain things that had – and I don't – and, you know, everybody's making – well, I, I should say everybody. ESPN is making everybody try to believe that 
Bill Belichick and Tom Brady had some sort of feud. I can tell you this. Those are two incredibly talented human beings at what they do, the best at what they do. If they really had success that they did together, no matter how good either one of them was. You're talking about Belichick and Brady? Yeah. Oh, I I don't think that there's a feud at all. I don't either. I do think that Belichick stepped in and was like, okay, look. I want Tom to stay as much as anybody else does, and until Tom gives me a reason that he shouldn't be the starter, he will always be my starter. But again, at his age, even as in shape as he's in, is I mean, we know that he had a bad year this year, but if you really go back and look at it, he had nothing to play with. Yeah, You can't expect a quarterback who is a true quarterback, who does not rely on his legs, if he has nothing to throw to, what, what are you to do? Yeah. So take last year with a grain of salt, He's healthy, he's in shape, but at his age, he's a lot more vulnerable than anybody else, you know, 15, 20 years younger than he is. So, one, you know, it's like you go out there and sign this big contract, you meet a salary cap, you're paying him $35 million a year, whatever, and one bad thing happens and you don't have another high-level quarterback behind him, well, then that's not Bill Belichick's MO. He wants to win. Yeah. You don't get six rings and you go, you know what, I'm all right with being average now. No, no, he's going after number seven with or without Brady or Gronk or, you know, anybody. Well, yeah, I, I don't disagree with you, but I think that my my whole statement is, is he even capable of that? Well, I without Tom that'll Brady. be remain to be seen. I, I saw this. I mean, because they because of their inconsistency in playmaking staff. Right. I mean, they, they're without Gronk now. Um Aaron Hernandez sure as hell isn't coming back. No, I don't think that he will be back. <laughs> um, you know, so is, does he – because of the way that Belichick and the and the Patriots have run the organization with basically a central figure in Tom Brady mm-hmm. and then building a cast of characters around that on one- and two-year short-stint contracts, you know, do they have the capability of – maintaining that level of success i mean are we looking at the potential shift of bill belichick to a different team are we looking at bill belichick's retirement how much you know i'm looking at it and thinking jeez man i mean yeah i I, i've won six super bowls um is it time for retirement right i didn't see that's that's i mean you can say that everybody can speculate that that will his age and i mean he's been in the league over 40 years he's been in the league. What did somebody say today? 46 years or something? Yeah, well, so, I mean, him him and uh, Nick Saban coached together. I mean, he's been Browns in it a and... long, long time. But he was also at Middle Tennessee State not long ago in the pouring rain, freezing cold for hours on end scouting at, one player. Scouting I mean, one guy. he's not – I don't think he's ready. And, it, and people say stuff about age nowadays. Joe Madden – you know, he went to back to Anaheim after he left the Cubs. He's been basically in quote unquote quarantine for the last week in his RV, still at the the grounds of where they have spring training. He's alone; nobody else is out there. And he goes, "I knew it before, but it's been solidified now. I'm not ready for retirement or anywhere close to that type of lifestyle that I'm having to live now. Nothing to do, no agenda. I'll be around for a lot longer." And, I mean, Joe Madden's not young. So, I think Bill Belichick's got a lot in him. Their player development's good. But it's like you said, 
They have these onesie twosie year contracts besides a few pieces like of course Brady. Gronkowski was, you know, there till the end if he wanted to be. I think Edelman was that way too. We don't know how long that'll stay without Brady because them two were so in sync yeah. together. And the coaching staff that Bill's put around him is sorely, sorely overlooked. I mean, they are phenomenal coaches. So do, do I think he can do it? Yes. And I think that now, I, instead of having this onesie-twosie type contracts to go win championships because he knows that the man under center makes everyone better, he's going to try to look for as close to that as he can, the, the quarterback that makes everyone better, but is more long-term because now Bill's like, all right, I'm not going to keep rebuild. Like, let's rebuild this one time. Tom will finally, you know, hang it up from here, and I'm going to ride my next wave out. May, may it be five, ten years down the road. Who yeah. knows? But but for quarterbacks, look at I mean, how how many first round quarterbacks have have ultimately found long term success? Oh, it's very. I mean, you I know, mean, Tom Brady was a six round pick out of Michigan. Yeah, you know, I mean, and because um, what's the what's the old coach there? The not the old coach quarterback Drew uh, Bledsoe. Yeah, Bledsoe. He gets hurt. Brady comes in, and boom! Wow, Brady's an awesome guy, and then. Brady has then over the last 20 years, you know, he is uh, my age, I think, 40. Well, I think he's actually a couple years younger than 42. me. 42. Yeah. Um, he it, it has taken it upon himself. He's 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 probably the best in shape 42-year-old that's ever walked the planet. Oh, it's unreal. <laughs> and, I mean, they've actually, you know, everybody's made the joke over the last, you know, five or six years that he's in much better shape in his 40s than he is or his late 30s into his 40s than he was in his 20s, his doctors have actually said that. Like, go back and look at his records and everything from back in Michigan. He is actually in better shape. Yeah. He's in shape now like 23-year-old well, football stars. You, looking, at his, looking at his combine or his, like, senior picture or whatever, uh, it was probably the combine picture. He was a fat, lazy slob. Oh, yeah. I mean, he looked like a doofus. You know, yeah. sitting up he there. looked like a – I mean – Kind of chill, like a bloated he had a frat dad boy. Bod before yeah, it was cool. Yeah, and before he was a dad. I mean, and the thing is, like, if you look at him now, guy. compared to a lot of, you know, athletes in general, but especially in the NFL, he has the the dad bod of yeah. the NFL. And but everybody's like, you know what? You can go out there and have a six pack, whatever you want. I bet you that he's in twice the shape you are. Yep. So. I don't know. Go check out the video on social media about the dad who is not taking Tom Brady coming to Tampa Bay well at all. And he is a Tampa Bay fan, and he is a Jameis Winston fan, which makes sense because he's from Florida. Jameis has been playing in Florida his entire life, which I'll be the first to say. Jameis Winston is sorely underrated. Very talented human that, you know, he wasn't gelling with the receivers last year, but if you look at – all of the interceptions well, what and drops. What pass? drives that? I mean, you know, is, is it him? Is, we don't know. Well, and you, that's you the could thing. be the most talented person in the world, but you know, there's ten other guys. When on he elected side to have field, uh, and if you're not gelling with those ten guys, then a quarterback you could be as as great as you want. There's very few playmaking pro football players that by themselves basically are miraculous one of those that stands out is barry sanders right mm -hmm. barry sanders always always played on a subpar team and set every record known to man out there right um some of them i guess have now been eclipsed but uh overall you know he's been a 
he was a beast and then retired at a at a time when everybody thought what are you doing but look the guy can walk right you know he has a, doesn't have any long-term injuries um you know but that's but those are very few and far between i i don't necessarily know that Jameis winston is that type of guy that uh, and he showed that he's not that type of guy because he needed a cast of characters around him that they gelled, right? Mm-hmm. You could you could put the most talented people on, on a football field, and if they don't get along, if they're not in sync, you're not going to have a successful team. Yeah. And so what was the driving factor for, you know, Tampa Bay to not be as successful as they seemingly should have with what you're, you know, arguing is a very talented quarterback? Yeah, and, and and two of the best receivers in the game. Mm-hmm. Well, and see, that's what I'm wondering is because if you look at Jameis, the way he played in college at Florida State under Jimbo Fisher, he came in, and Jimbo had him playing his style of ball, but then he he basically said, "Okay, we're not tapping into this kid's potential. We got to let him play his game, and I will tweak things where they need to be that are going to benefit the team. But he has to play his ball, and he has to lead this team the way he has to to be successful. He hasn't been able to do that not one day in Tampa. And I get it; it's the NFL. You know, it's a lot different than than college." But at the same time, you're going to get this Heisman Trophy winning national champion dual athlete who was better at baseball than he was at football. It's at what point after a few years in the league can you see that just the God-given talent that he has, you know it's there to say, well, we're, we're not winning enough to not try something. Right. Let's, let's let him try to do something. Is it Mike Evans being, you know, excuse my French, the big dick in the room going, no, 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 no. So where does all that lie? And they said that when he opted to have LASIK in, you know, this past year, that a lot of people didn't realize how bad his eyesight really was until the person that apparently did the surgery on him was like, yeah, he does not have good eyesight. Yeah. Like he should be out there wearing contacts or eyeglasses. So Brady goes to Tampa. Where does Winston go? I don't think he goes anywhere. You think he's – If if Winston was smart – I think that he would want to stay under Brady. If I if I were, I mean, even though Winston is not only a starting quarterback, but is proven enough to say that he's a a lasting type quarterback, shit, I'd t- I'd ride the bench for a couple of years to let Brady come in and show me what's up because it, it, Brady's not going to make you any worse yeah. of a quarterback or a person. So sit back and take it. But you know, it takes a, it takes a pretty uh, strong person that doesn't have a a well constructed ego mm-hmm. to sit back and be humble enough to say, okay, you know, I know I'm not the greatest, yeah. so let me just learn from the greatest. Yeah, and I, that'll be remain to be seen Is, unless I mean unless Jameis goes somewhere. I'll tell, I'll put it to you this way: if Jameis, but I think went I think to, Brady's looking at like thirty million dollars a year, mm-hmm. right? Does I don't necessarily know that the Buccaneers want to pay another quarterback, you know, a high dollar rate because Winston still has high, you know, a high paycheck. Yeah. I mean, but if you go to, if, I don't know, that's kind of like what I think about Cam Newton. Cam Newton had like an off year and then he had some injury and now everybody's like, oh, Cam Newton's washed up. A lot of teams would be lucky to have someone as talented yeah. as Cam Newton. Yeah. And you know what? I'm not crazy about the guy. I don't think Jameis Winston is Cam Newton. Oh, athletically? Probably not in a lot of areas, but they're also built way different. I mean, right. Cam Newton's a freak of nature. Um, Cam Newton could be a starting NBA power forward yeah. with his size. 
But at the same time, I do think that Jameis, I think Jameis has a better arm than Cam. I think Cam's more of a self-aware person. So going back to the Patriots and really the AFC East. So how do we think the AFC East shapes up this year? Um, you know, you had Buffalo that was that was pretty strong last year. And, you know, do they become the powerhouse now? Um, does Do the Patriots stay the powerhouse? I don't necessarily know that anything uh, is happening in New York with the Jets. Um, you know, the Dolphins, I, don't, I, don't, I haven't seen too much going on. So I would say that it, we I mean, say that the Bills at, are going to have their run right now. The Bills are kind of the one that, I mean, if you just look at the obvious, it seems like they are. I still think, though, if you really want to get down to the nuts and bolts of it, the Patriots, until somebody really knocks the Patriots off and everybody keeps talking about how they did this year, I'm sorry, they still made postseason. Right. But they had Tom Brady. It, well, again, I but mean, until somebody the... knocks them off, they're the team to beat. So – but you would say Buffalo, but I think that the Dolphins and the Jet, the Jets especially, I think that they are primed and ready for one thing to happen for them to take off. I think Sam Darnold is not only a very talented quarterback, I think he's trying to get used to a lot of things. He may be lacking a few pieces around him. I think the Jets are – that's really where I thought Tom Brady may go and surprise the whole world. There's no fan base on the planet that hates – Tom Brady more than the New York Jets. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? I bet every single one of them would drink a tall glass of shut the fuck up if, if Tom Brady said, listen, I'm going to come help you guys out for a little while. They'd be like, you know what? Okay. So, okay. AFC East still to be determined. I think the, I think the Bills have a real good shot at winning that this year without, uh, you know, without Brady's presence in the AFC East. So over to another, um, your team, the Chicago Bears. They have now signed Nick Foles, uh, Super Bowl MVP when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. What, what do you see out of that? They already have Mitchell Trubisky, um, and now they're signing Nick Foles. Is this a quarterback battle in the making? No. Or is this a, hey, um, <laughs> my cousin Natalie says, J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Uh, so, she she clearly thinks that they're going to do something this year. But, you know, the the Bears. So, is this a quarterback battle in the making? Is this a, hey, we, we want a solid backup quarterback and have the salary cap room to bring on someone like Nick Foles to back up Trubisky? I, the one, I mean, Trubisky had a couple injuries uh, last season, if yeah. I'm not mistaken, and missed a couple games. Yeah, he did. And the one thing that I like about it is if you talk to anybody else, they all think that Mitchell Trubisky is terrible, which he's not. He's actually a, a very smart quarterback. Again, you got to have pieces around you because he's not designed to use his legs all the time. He knows how to – he's like Aaron Rodgers. Like, he knows how to use them when to use them. But, he, I mean, his game is based on his arm. He's a quarterback. Right. He was drafted to run a system that the Bears run, and he's actually very good at it. Matt Nagy comes in, runs that system for a year. Everything's going great and getting better by the day. And last year, I don't know if he was the first one to catch the coronavirus and just lose his <laughs> mind, but he went, I mean, opposite of that. I mean, Trubisky comes off of a shoulder injury where his arm has been in a sling. He's still got protective gear over it, and he had – Matt Nagy called more 
throwing plays for Trubisky in that game than Trubisky has thrown his entire career in Chicago. Yeah. What sense does that make? I mean, either sit the guy out or you're going to have to run something where the running backs and the tight ends take over. I mean, what, what are you doing? Right. I do like the fact that Mitchell Trubisky is not very egotistical. Obviously, neither is Nick Foles. So I think they can feed off of each other. And who knows? Maybe we just have dual QBs. Rotate them in and out. See what one's good at this. I think that Nick Foles is the been proven to where if anybody goes down with injury at the right time, which right before playoffs, he will win you a Super Bowl. And on that note, we're going to go ahead and take a break for our first segment here, and we're going to end our current live video on Facebook. Um, and we will be back live on Facebook, and we're going to be back live uh, on our Outfielders Anonymous podcast. All right, welcome back, Outfielders Anonymous fans, for segment two of episode eight that we're going to affectionately title Corona, Hold the Line. So uh, in our first segment, we talked uh, actually quite a bit about football and some of the moves, namely Tom Brady uh, with his move to the Patriots. But I guess uh, we did receive some viewer questions that uh, Chase will disseminate, and then he and I will talk about those. So, uh, Chase, what was our first question from our viewership out there? All right, so going back to what we talk about best, baseball, before we went to, uh, well, as we were getting ready to record Episode 8 and what was going to be original topics and, and what we normally do, and then kind of all this unfolded, we will go back to those questions. We'll use these two questions that we got the day before we were going to record that. So that way we can at least talk a little bit about baseball. And let's go back. So Danny in Georgia, he's just outside of Atlanta. So Danny has been not only following the podcast, but he's followed. He's actually a client of mine, too. So he follows, you know, what we do on social media, obviously the uh, the sports predictions, everything. He is a big Atlanta Braves fan, and he just wanted us to kind of talk about the Atlanta Braves. So I'm assuming by that he means, you know, what we think for the upcoming season. Um, and I'm going to say it like that, the upcoming season. I'm not going to be like ESPN reporters and say, well, if there is a season and try to be negative about it. So we talked in one episode about – was it last episode? No, I think it was the one before. We were talking about a lot of projections for – the 2020 season where we thought a lot of teams would end up, teams on the move, teams on decline, things like that. And I think we both agreed that the Braves, you know, ha have had success over the past couple of years. Uh, last two years in a row winning the NL East. And just like I said, I think that they are the team to beat. I do think that they are – I mean, there's different ways you can look at it, but in the way things have gone the past few years and, and the type of success teams are having – um, I would say that the Braves are the team to beat. Even, you know, a lot of people may want to argue that because of what the Nationals were able to do in the World Series last year and, you know, in winning a World Series. But 
again, I'm going to hold true to to my thoughts of the Nationals winning the World Series was, you know, not to discredit them at all, but I think it was the perfect storm. Everything fell into place for them after that somewhat miraculous wild card victory. And, I mean, had just one thing gone different, I don't think that they would have even been in the World Series, let alone win it. So, And for a lot of times, I mean, if you go back years – like the year before with the Red Sox or even going back to the 2016 with the Cubs, um, 15 with the Royals. Yeah, one thing can go wrong in the World Series, and there could be a different outcome, but usually the teams that are in the World Series, I mean, multiple things could have gone differently and they still would have been there. The Nationals, I don't, I don't believe that, so... I still think the Braves are the best team in the NL East and, and the team to beat. Um, do you have any, I guess, rejections on that statement? No, generally speaking, I mean, the the Braves had a two fifty eight batting average in 2019, obviously won the, uh, I'm sorry, the NL East and then lost in the uh, series to the Cardinals. But it went to five games. So uh, we haven't seen too many moves uh, this offseason. So you presume that they're going to have basically the same starting lineup with regards to their pitching staff, uh, their batting. You know, I went to a couple Braves games uh, last year, and, you know, they were pretty exciting. Um, they uh, one walk-off home, uh, yeah, walk-off home run, I think, when I was there. They were playing the Mets and uh, Ozzy Albies um, had a walk-off home run. That was pretty exciting. So I think that the the Braves have the composition to again win the the NL East and and make a run at it. I think that they struggled a little bit in their pitching last year. Oh, they most and that's the that's the one thing that I would say the Braves are lacking is pitching and I guess they're just young. So I think had they had a little more veteran leadership and then, you know, let the pitching be a little bit and I don't even want to say that their pitching is bad. I think that it, it lacks <clears> – <throat> I think their bullpen needs a little work. I think they were lacking one true starting arm. I think they were lacking veteran leadership. And they'll – with the guys that they have now, the young guys, they'll get it out of them in due time. But I don't think – again, I think that's why they went after Cole Hamels in the offseason and picked him up and paid him you know, $18 million to – I don't. I don't think Cole Hamels has done anything recently to justify eighteen million dollars. And I love the guy, but you know, especially after leaving the Phillies, he came to the Cubs. Everybody was happy about that. I was happy about it. I thought that he would have been a good fit for the team. And even with the good things that he did do, if you if you would have taken Cole Hamels out of the mix last year, I don't see a much different outcome for the Cubs. Um, just like I don't think that Cole, from a playing standpoint, is going to do wonders for them. And I don't think that, you know, let's say that he stays for, for more than a year and does good things in his time. Him being there or not being there, I think, is irrelevant. I think that they were willing to spend the money because he was available and he is a veteran. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer, more than likely. And it's that leadership. Those young guys from the starting pitchers, middle relievers, relievers, just closers, everything. 
that entire pitching staff would learn a lot from Cole Hamels, even if he was just paid $18 million to come in and give him a pep rally every day. There's things that only time allows you to understand and just, I mean, gain in your career. It, it, so veteran leadership, I think, is something that a lot of people overlook, saying, oh, well, you know, you, you look at somebody that's tanking, let's say. Yeah, that may be the case. But, I mean, you can look at anybody at the tail end of their career. I mean, you look at Albert Pujols. Albert Pujols is not playing at the level that he was you know, back in his days with the Cardinals. And he's not going to for the, you know, the very short remainder of his career. But nobody that plays the game would ever say that it's not a benefit having him sitting in the dugout every day. Yeah. Just from what he brings from a an experience standpoint. So maybe that'll do wonders for him. I'm pulling for him in the NL East. Um, I guess the follow-up to that question was the second one we got – and hold on, I actually get well, real real quick yeah, going keep, back yeah, to that, go, you know, go. just just looking at the stats from 2019, and if we're, you know, assuming that they have a, a very similar lineup, batting and pitching wise, with the addition of of Cole Hamels, um, you know, they were fourth in the National League batting average, uh, right behind Washington, winning the the World Series with a 258 batting average. Uh, Washington was 265. In fact. Colorado, Pittsburgh, and Washington all tied with a 265 batting average. So Atlanta had arguably the second best uh, batting average in the National League. And then pitching-wise, they were fifth on the list at, uh, with an ERA of 419 uh, behind the Dodgers, right? Top, top squad out there. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals, who they lost to, the Cubs in Cincinnati. So, you know, they're right in the mix, whereas Washington with their ERA down to 427, you know, they're they're eighth on the list. Yeah. Um, so they have the makeup uh, to make another run at the NL East, and they're just going to have to get past that divisional series um, that they lost to the Cardinals. And then the Cardinals got swept by the Dodgers. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you you wonder – what if what what if the the Braves had overcome the Cardinals? Would they have had better success against the Dodgers? And, and see, I think that that whole series came down to. I don't want to say that it was veterans. I think that it was more leadership status. Because if you look at standout players, number one, the pitching for St. Louis was on another level. That was not to be even questioned or discussed. But if you look at the talent from an offensive side, yeah, the Cardinals have people like Dexter Fowler, and they have sustainable pieces that will always keep them in the mix. But their offense is not what the Braves are. So it was almost like, you know, defensively, overwhelming advantage to St. Louis, offensively, overwhelming advantage to Atlanta. So, okay, where does it go? But if you look at the experience that players have, some of the experienced players have in playing in certain level games, like, you know, postseason matches, you know, also followed up with a lot of the um, the staff that's around them. So from your pitching coaches and everything, St. Louis held a very big advantage that I don't think was right there for you know, the novice fan to see. And that's why it looked like, 
Atlanta just got caught off guard. I don't think they got caught off guard. I, the, that first game where they got absolutely railroaded, or the second game, um, yeah, they were caught off guard there. But I think that the experience, some of the leadership, and some of the big-time game experience outside of just normal experience showed and shined through, and I think they were overmatched because of it. Yeah, and, you know, baseball is a very unique sport, I think, simply because of, A, the long season that you have, and then, you know, there are teams that just simply get hot uh-huh. in the in the playoffs. And while on paper teams seem superior to them, you know, Atlanta won the NL East. Nationals then won the, the, the World Series, mm-hmm. you know, because they got hot at the right time and they were able to, you know, overcome some of those challenges uh, that Atlanta didn't, didn't find against the Cardinals. And then uh, the Cardinals being swept by the Dodgers. And that could have been that part of it too, maybe a little bit of complacency, thinking that, hey, look at what we've done from start to finish this year, yeah. where the Nationals, for instance, had the worst record or the second worst record in baseball through the first 50 games. And now they all of a sudden scraped by, got to the wild card, and now here they are where it's it's almost like most people think, well, you just made it, so your fate awaits you here So no, let me ask you this. Have we gone back and looked at Nationals footage to see if they were banging on trash cans? <laughs> I, I, I don't believe that they were. So what was our second question from uh, viewership out there? It was a. They wanted, and we kind of talked about this in another episode, but we didn't get into extreme detail. They said, talk about a team, one team, or one team from the American League and the National League who no one's talking about, who could be the sleeper to to win it all, or to at least win win the AL or NL. So. Do you want to start or you want me to start? You go right ahead. Well, I, I me and this person actually talked about this for a second because he, you know, he wanted to talk about it. And then I asked him, you know, and then, of course, I, I him and I went back and forth a few times, not in arguing, just talking. And I said, well, to be honest with you, I said, we can do this two ways. I said, if you really want to be literal about what you said and saying a team that no one's talking about to win the World Series, who has a chance? Well, I think everyone's missing the obvious, and that's the Houston Astros. They're still one of the most talented teams. I mean, in my opinion, if you really want to break down the nuts and bolts, I think they're still the most talented team in the American League. You know, maybe not by an extreme margin because teams are making some headway. I think Boston's still very talented. Obviously, New York's making moves. As soon as Garrett Cole... It, it, that it was announced that he was going to go to the Yankees, the whole world jumped on that bandwagon. Vote, well, the Yankees are going to win the World Series. I'm sorry, but you could have put, you know, Randy Johnson in his prime in that rotation the past few years. That wouldn't have changed the outcome of what's happened. They, they're just, they have not been the best team. And it's not that they're bad. They're making their way. We know what the Yankees are going to eventually do. They're going to win a World Series, and when they do, they're going to be a contender for a World Series for the next three to five years following. Yeah, last year finishing uh, 103 and 59, the Yankees were. Uh, Astros finishing 107 and 55, and you know, I don't necessarily see anyone in the AL West taking um, 
taking a shot at the Astros not finishing uh, at the top of the AL West. Uh, AL East, I think, is locked up by the Yankees with with the additions of Garrett Cole, uh-huh. you had mentioned. Um, and I think that depending on what happens, I don't this necessarily year, know that the Orioles have a shot at it. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, if we really wanted to talk about the American League. I've got to say that the Astros are still the best. If we talk about, okay, let's take the Astros out of it for a second because the world thinks that the Yankees are going to do it. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to toss that out the window and say that despite what happens with the Astros this year, I do not think that the Yankees are the best team in the American League, and I don't, I don't think that they're going to – I don't think they're going to win the American League pennant, let alone win the World Series. Well, I don't necessarily know that there's a team from the American League that's going to challenge the National League – uh, in if we have the 2020 season, I mean the National no. League just seemingly has stronger um, divisions that these teams have to play through. And usually, it's you know, the opposite. every one of the division winners from the American League had had over 100 wins. Uh, the Astros had 107, Twins 101, Yankees 103, and it was only um, it was only the Dodgers in the in the NL West that had over 100 wins with 106. The Braves had 97. Cardinals only had 91 wins, mm-hmm. um, which you know kind of explains why they got swept by the Dodgers. Um, but um, Nash, you know, the Nationals came from came from behind, won the uh, the World Series over the Astros, and I think that it's, it's kind of going to be the same thing for 2020. Yeah, I mean, usually, and in, in if you go Assuming back, that we have a season. If we go back to, I mean, I don't know how far we'd have to go back, but we could go back a long way. And usually, it's the opposite of what we were just saying. The American League, as a whole, trumps the National League. It usually happens in the All Star Game. It happens if you look at every division winner. You, you know, look at AL Central versus NL Central. Well, that's not a, that's not a good record. You know, that's not a good. Example, because usually the NL Central is much more dominant than the AL Central. But if you look at the East and the West, then usually the American League um, is – I don't even want to say it's a talent gap, but they they are a lot more successful, we'll put it that way. If we we go off of just sheer talent, then – I've got I've got to take the Yankees out of it. I think that they're going to get there, and I think they're close. But right now, I think the only thing keeping the Astros out of being able to repeat what they've been doing the past few years is, you know, obviously with the exception of Boston winning the American League two years ago and then ultimately winning the World Series, is if this controversy around them mentally gets to them with what they're going to have to deal with with the fans. Guess what? Just because there's no baseball and there's no team more thankful for the coronavirus than the Houston Astros, fans are not going to forget. They're just getting primed up and ready to still absolutely just kill the Astros every night. So, but but how long do you think that that actually goes on? Okay? I think that by the end, I mean, Be, if because we because that, obviously we're we're in an unprecedented time in our society right now. With regards to this, you know, COVID nineteen um, virus, and how much of this, I, I honestly think it's gonna, a lot of it's going to be forgotten. I think it'll be forgotten quicker now. I don't think that it will be forgotten. Maybe, I mean, I think fans are just going to be thankful that baseball is back. That's the thing. I mean, that I it think returns that, at some point. I think at the beginning of it, like we'll be hypothetical for a second. Let's say that on 
June the 1st, baseball starts. And this is the way the schedule is going to play out. Obviously, Houston's not going to have to worry about very much at home. And they, you know, they start on the road. There's still going to be those fans. But it's not going to be the overwhelming majority of them who would have done it prior to any of this happening. Give it a few weeks. People start taking for granted what they have again because it will happen. Nobody who loves sports should ever take sports for granted again. I mean, it's only been a week. Yeah, It's been a week. And right now I feel like I haven't watched a true sporting event. I mean, in a year. It's awful. But anybody that would take it for granted now is insane. But in saying that, give it a week or two. Everything will go back to normal. The coronavirus will be a forgotten thing amongst sports fans. They won't care about unity and togetherness and beating you know hard times. They will then be there to shit on the Astros. But again, it will be it will be shorter lived than I. Well, think I can was. tell you from an Orioles fan, there will be no unity with the Yankees uh, anyway because I hate no. their guts. <laughs> I don't. I don't think they're gonna. I mean, but now let's say that the Astros. This affects them in a, in ways negative enough to take them out of the running. Then, yeah, I could see the Yankees doing it. I could it just, but I could just as easily see the Twins doing it, and I don't see, I don't foresee that happening. I would say that it would be a sleeper team that would end up taking it, and my sleeper in the American League, at least, is still the Angels. Yeah, I know we had talked about the Angels before. They had um, a couple pickups there before all of this transpired and uh the beginning of uh, spring training how do you think that i mean do you think the red sox stand a chance of coming back and improving upon um you know what was a failure of a 2019 season yeah i think they'll improve but i don't think that because truth be told if you really want to get down to overall talent i still think that the red sox well before they traded off mookie and, you know, obviously Brock Holt left and then David Price is gone. Okay, you may want to give just a little bit of – I mean, you may say that there's just a little bit of a gap now and we give it to the Yankees, but not much. But before that, I still said on this podcast that in the American League, outside of the Houston Astros, the Boston Red Sox are the most talented team. Now, saying that, this year, I think that they will improve on what they've done unless they really start missing David Price for some reason and their pitching just tanks again. I'm hoping that Chris Sale will have a much better year. But with the the current management situation, I think that's still going to hurt them. Now, going into 2021, when – because inevitably I think another managerial change will come. Who knows? Maybe Alex Cora will be back. But I think that they'll get a long-term manager in place, and then I think that we'll see the Red Sox go for it all again. They're too talented not to be in the conversation. Last year was the worst World Series hangover I have ever seen. To be as talented as they were, to essentially be the exact same team that just won the World Series, and now you're playing below average from start to finish. At At no point in time... Last year, did they have anything more than like a series where they played above average? And that was sad. So with, you know, the changes right now with the the delay of the season, um, I don't I don't know how they're going to play a full 162 game schedule. I don't think. Well, 
And and if they don't, you know, how does that play into some of the other squads that generally start off slow and then, you know, develop a momentum as the season goes on? Uh, my Orioles are out of it because the only time they do play well is April. Um, oh, we and- need to give a shout-out to Mancini, by the way. He did have successful surgery to remove that tumor. Trey well, Mancini. Trey, we're hoping you're uh, doing doing well after your surgery, my friend. We'll have to tag him in this. We will tag him as we post this. So, again, uh, Outfielders Anonymous fans, we're doing something kind of unique right now. And as we're recording our episode eight, we're also going live on Facebook. And we uh, have a couple of viewers that have gone in and out. We have a couple of viewers watching us now. Uh, you all on Facebook, if you have any questions sports-related, uh, this is a baseball podcast However, because nothing is really going on, we're talking about multiple subjects right now. So, you know, one of the things that has been uh, talked about in uh, the sports world it, with all of the cancellations is uh, the the um, spring athletes in college missing their entire season yeah, and whether they're ex- going to extend some additional uh, eligibility time to them. But that raises other questions with regards to scholarship money and who's going to pay for that. You have smaller universities uh, or private universities that may not necessarily have the deep pockets that some of the larger institutions do. Namely, one that I work for is Furman. And, you know, their baseball season has now been, you know, cut. Um you know, with, with regards to the other sports, I was uh, doing the ESPN broadcast for men's and women's lacrosse. Now cut. Those seniors don't get a, a senior season. Yes, they can extend some additional uh, eligibility to them, but that then plays around with the money. What, what, are, your, what are your thoughts on, um, around the eligibility, um, the scholarship money, so on and so forth? I think that they need to – and again, I guess this is where some people are thankful for the red shirt rule and, and things like that. But no matter the case, whether or not you were already like a graduating athlete who was you know going into their fifth year of eligibility because you got red shirted or, or whatever the case may be, I, I don't think that that just means that, and they can't, but I don't think that it means that you say, okay, every single senior is – we'll give them another year because again still have to realize that senior i mean just because these were seniors doesn't mean there's not more seniors coming through next year so if you had a team full of seniors this year sucks for you even more because you were probably you know ready to be successful but i do think that there needs to be something in place to say like hey we're going to allow you x amount of extensions because in basketball if you're talking about a big school that was, you know, had a, or like we're talking about Kentucky or Kansas or Dayton or all these people, those guys, I'm sorry. Yeah, it sucks. They hate it. They wish that it didn't happen. I don't foresee any of those people that were seniors that know that they're going to get drafted in the NBA say, you know what, I'll wait another year, still be unpaid, 
just so I can try to go back and win a championship with my university. They're going to get paid. Yeah, and I think that it has I think that it affects not just the seniors that we're talking about, but the juniors and underclassmen. It affects eligibility, you know, because, you know. Because the question is, you know, I can see providing additional eligibility to seniors that we're going to play. Yeah. But when you're talking about freshmen or redshirt freshmen that are sitting on the bench that weren't going to play, by the time that they're seniors and they would need that additional year of eligibility, we would be three to four years removed from this, you know, this pandemic that we're dealing with right now. So that's it's going to have a ripple effect even on on players that haven't even started high school right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're playing when they get into college because you have these uh, legacy players that are sitting there with a fifth year of eligibility that they're not going to get playing time now. And and even the guys that are on, on the roster right now, the juniors, the sophomores, that next winter, you know, those basketball players would have been starting on their squads. Now, because those seniors are return, the seniors from 2019, 2020, they're returning for the 2021 season. Now they're not getting their starting time. So I think it just has ripple effects all the way down every class um, not just the seniors. Yeah. And again, it goes back to how much scholarship money is out there. Yep. And how and what are going to be the redshirt rules? If you know, depending on what the sport is, you can redshirt this many people. Are you going to be able to extend that so you can do it now um, to freshmen that you you know coming in? Or it, it, there's there's so many questions that they're going to have to sift through this year. To be honest with you. I think that they jumped the gun way too quickly to say that we're just going to cancel all spring sports. So basically it's like we're going to do nothing until football season. I think that that was the wrong way to go about it. I think that it, at this point they should have said, listen, we're going to follow the rest of the world. We're going to suspend. We'll see what happens. And if it gets to that point where you have to say no more because you can't you know, by the time your start date would happen, you can't run into other sports or the season's not there for it, then okay. But right now, I mean, if it was only going to be 30 days, let's say, th then there's no reason that every single sport shouldn't have been able to fit, basketball included. Yeah. Basketball may have had to change venues depending, but th that that would have been a lot better than what is getting ready to happen with there's going to be a lot of boosters that are going to uh, not be happy about this because I mean they fund all everything. You know, obviously, the payers are the players are not paid, but it's like the boosters. If a coach isn't winning, you know, like Les Miles, he was a winning coach every year. He was a winning, successful coach. He won multiple SEC championships. He won a national championship in '07. But because LSU was a powerhouse enough to be in national championship conversation every year and be competitive. It only took so long where he was not winning one and they were expecting it, where the boosters went and said, out of here. The university doesn't decide that. It's the booster saying, you want to keep getting my six-figure donations? Get him out of here. We want a championship. So that's where I'm interested to see what happens is when all this takes place and it all starts to settle down and they say, okay, Let's figure all this out. They're going to make a couple of decisions before it doesn't start sitting well with the people that really fund all of this. Yeah, I mean, there's and, there's a lot that there's a lot that collegiate athletics and professional athletics has to figure out with regards to all of this. I mean, if we're 
you know, we're, we're going to have shortened seasons. I can't imagine that, you know, we're coming up on, you know, it's March 18th right now. You know, April is right around the corner for baseball to start. You know, if we get if if April doesn't happen for baseball, that's twenty games. Mm-hmm. You know, so now you're down to 142 well, games. Most season. certainly will not happen in April. Yeah, like, I mean, and, I'm I'm actually reading something that just came across my email right now from from Eric and his staff at the drive talking about this whole situation and it's going out. And I think this is more or less to talk to ticket holders and stuff about what's going on, but. The first question is, when will the 2020 season start? And, of course, it says we do not have an official opening day set at this time. Um, we do not. We know that the drive's 15th season will be delayed, obviously, because it was scheduled to start April the 9th. Uh, in accordance with recommendation from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, regarding gatherings of 50 or more people, our partners at Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball have committed to uphold the eight-week delay which that they're using that eight week as a start date of March the sixteenth, two days ago. All so MI- that takes us through May already. Bingo. All in my all MLB club or major minor league baseball clubs will be working with major league baseball clubs to determine our schedule as the situation develops in this eight week period. The what they're going to be most concerned with in that whole thing is okay. If we think at the end, if they get two weeks into this or three weeks in, and they think that okay, after the thirty days, we should be, we should be okay. Well, they're not just going to start the next day. It's going to take a couple of weeks. So I say end of May for Major League Baseball. They do away with minor league baseball playoffs this year. They let them play through September like they would just with regular season games, and they start towards the Fourth of July. That would be my guess. Again. Don't take that as any factual information. That's just a guess. All right. Well, I got to tell you, you know, we've uh, we've done our best to fill some time here. Um, you know, talked a little bit about non-baseball items with regards to some of the NFL big name uh, movement around, and then also discuss some of our uh, some of our topics here in baseball for Outfielders Anonymous. Um, and we're going to do our best to continue to to provide content and talk about some of these things, get some, get some episodes out and stay tuned for an announcement. We're going to be developing a, a general sports podcast outside of outfielders anonymous, uh, that we are able to talk given the fact that we have plenty of time right now and we're able to, uh, we're able to sit down and, and talk about some stuff more granted material, uh, is, is for a, uh, we are wanting on material given the, the lack of sports right now, but we will do our best to continue that. So, And we'll put all this on social media. So what we'd like to do is we'd still like to get a couple of episodes out, you know, a week. Obviously, we're not going to go for – how long have we been going right now? Uh, well, 33 minutes on this segment and about 27 on the last. So, so we're right at about our – So I would say that until we really, you know, either get a start date, uh, some, some practices or training starts back up or – um, baseball officially begins, I would say probably don't expect hour, hour and a half episodes. Um, I'd like to do two 30-minute episodes a week, but what I would prefer to do is, yeah, we would like to talk about baseball. And we could, guys, I mean, at this time, we don't have to talk about baseball here and now. I think one really good thing would be, and this is what a customer 
of mine said that I should do on a live show that I did months back. They said, hey, you should, and, and I'm just now thinking of this, where everybody goes in and creates their their starting lineup for, for baseball using any players they want to throughout history. Who's going to be your first baseman? Everything. And I was like, well, that's kind of a cool idea. Of course, I didn't have time to do it with during a live show, but – that could be something if you guys want to do that, where we can read off, you know, customers' lineups. We can create one. Anything you guys want to do baseball-related, I'm up for until the season starts. And then if you have any other topics outside of baseball that are just sports in general, um, I, I mean, Brian and I don't mind talking politics. I'm not going to do it on here because inevitably it's just going to piss half as you know just as many people off as it will be approved by. So I'm not going to do that, but. Anything you guys want to talk about now, try to keep it as sports-related as possible, you know, if we can. But if not, hell, we can talk about anything. And I echo that sentiment to contact us. We are on social media. Uh, I, you can contact my email at outfieldersanonymous.hawk at gmail.com, uh, as well as Outfielders Anonymous on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, with that... I'm Hawk. And I'm Chase. And we're hitting the showers. <laughs> <laughs>